Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Big Money Siege, we got to do some pulse checks around the league. But I got to admit to you something, man. I am under the weather. I know you've been under the weather for the last little while. I think, I think I'm finally feeling what you've been feeling. It just So this is, this is our flu game. If, if I sound a little run down, if I sound congested, I'm sorry. You got to fake it till you make it. You just got to tell yourself, I'm fine. I mean, look it. If you're really sick, don't get me wrong. I want you to look after yourself, but power through, brother. Power through. Okay. So, like, we can do this. Let's get through it together. You, me, producer Nick, and the 100%ers, we're going to get through this together. CJ, I need you to stick your pinky out, okay? Stick your pinky out at me, okay? All right. We're we're not in the same room, but we're going to pinky swear that we're going to get through this, okay? Done. 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 Okay. So we got it. Cool. Bring your good energy, um, pal. You got this. I know I know you do too. I want to start with the Calgary Flames. Not just because I covered them, but uh something interesting happened at practice on Friday. Uh they practiced at the Islanders practice facility. They had a random e-bug on the ice. Jacob Markstrom, Dan Vladar not there. Jacob Markstrom just needs some time for himself. Dan Vladar is on injured reserve, but all of a sudden. People just started freaking out. Like, what's going to happen? Is there going to be a trade? Oh, my God. They already had Elias Lindholm move a few days ago. What else is going to happen? What about Jacob Barkstrom? He may be, he may or may not be open to moving his NMC. Noah Hannafin meeting with his family in Boston trying to figure out what the hell to do. Like, there's a lot going on with this team. And they found a way to beat Boston earlier this week and New Jersey. There's a lot of noise around this Calgary Flames team. When does it end for these guys? The off season. I mean, I guess March 9th is probably the better answer uh, because obviously once you get to the the happy side of the trade deadline, it's, it's going to be clear what the team is and where, where they're left at. But you know, this is, this is what it looks like when your team is, is going through what the flames are. And, and, you know, we've had this pegged since I think the beginning of the season when they entered the year with all those UFAs, you know, it was pretty evident they weren't going to probably extend like seven guys in season. Uh, so it was always setting up as though, you know, not necessarily that they were all going to be traded, but that there was going to be multiple players of significance on this roster moved. And now you're living it, right? Yeah, now you've said goodbye to Zadorov in December. You've, you've said goodbye to Lindholm over the All-Star break. And, you know, I suspect here with a little less than a month until the deadline, it's going to be that kind of month where you're going to be taking attendance at every practice or, you know, watching the warmups extra close uh, before a game to see if anyone's being held out of a game, because this is, I mean, it's what makes this time of year fun. I, I recognize in your specific circumstances, it's probably stressful for Flames fans and, you know, because there's, there's a lot going on. But I mean, this is where we're literally like, is there anyone weird being scratched from a game? Is there a trade going down kind of scenario? Because that's that tends to be what happens the closer we get to the deadline. I mean, there's still 
a little bit of runway left, but it's it's getting short, my friend. And so this is what you're dealing with. And I and I saw the uh, I love that Calgary in calling up Dustin Wolf put in the in the X announcement. Ooh. I was about to ask you about that because in that same announcement, they mentioned that like Dan Vladar is on injured reserve. Apparently, according to Ryan Huska, it was because of something he tweets in warm up ahead of their game against New Jersey. Like a tweet like that, where obviously you're excited about Dustin Wolf, but then you have to mention that like your actual backup goaltender is kind of hurt. That's that's a very interesting tweet to to put up. Not looking deep into anything with that. Just you know, I get people are excited about Dustin Wolf, but you still got to put your goalie on IR with whatever is ailing it. Exactly. I mean, look at this is again, this is the world we live in. This is where we're at. Um, and so, sorry, I'm just responding to a text here. Which I don't like do to do during news? the show, but we're recording. No, not not Aww. in this moment. But we're we're recording during the day. Often we're a morning record show, and so I'm still kind of in my work day, and some stuff's going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, look at the the Flames. I mean, I saw Markstrom had some interesting quotes uh, to to Eric Francis of Sportsnet. You know, basically just saying it's that even though he has a no movement clause, that it's in the team's hands what happens um, in terms of if they. Uh, if they want to move on from him, I know teams have at least called. I don't, I don't think it's got to a point where anything's necessarily going to happen. I mean, we've got a new trade board coming out at the athletic on Monday and, and Markstrom does have a place on the board. He's not right up at the top by any stretch, but it's always a possibility. You know, I think the Hannafin situation is coming to a head and obviously Chris Tanev remains. I think there's like 10 or 11, 12 teams that have called on him at some point in time. Um, you know, we talked a few weeks ago, but some of them are the non-obvious teams like Ottawa, for example, that isn't in a playoff race, but would like the idea of, of trying to deal for him and, and extend him right away rather than let him become a free agent in the summertime. So yeah, there's, there's look, there's a lot of balls in the air and, and there really aren't, if you look at it, there's not a lot of other teams currently selling. Like obviously there are other teams lower than the flames in the standings like Anaheim, Montreal, you know, San Jose, Chicago, but those teams by and large don't have, and, and they look, they have some players that are going to be moved, some players that are on the trade board, but those teams don't have a lot of high quality players to move at this point in time. Whereas, you know, Calgary still has difference makers or, or players that I think teams view as potential difference makers on their roster that they're willing to trade. You know, another team will be interesting is Philadelphia, which have just hung around the playoff race enough to, I think at least plant a conversation in the front office, but clearly the flyers have been, of a selling mindset throughout this year. They've, they've listened on a lot of guys. I think they've been open to various, you know, ideas, whether it's the, the Nick sealers, the, the Sean walkers, the Scott Lawton's Rasmus Ristolainen, uh, Morgan Frost, uh, you know, they, they've, I think they've had a lot of trade conversations during the season. They're in a weird spot. They don't want to finish ninth, right? Like I think ideally you want to make the playoffs, but you know, I think that there's naturally some concern that you don't sell off some pieces you can sell off. And then, you end up missing the playoffs by a point on the last day of the season and, and what was truly gained, um, which just to get back to Calgary, I think the reason there's so much focus on the flames is that they are a team that has already started selling that is, has other you know useful players to sell. And there's not a lot of that in the league. And, and I think the one thing that can save this trade deadline, and I'm, I know we're less than a month out now. I'm, I'm thinking it needs saving. Like I'm really worried about where this deadline's heading. Um, in terms of buzz and excitement and, and action, one thing that could save it is a team or two that we're not necessarily expecting to sell, deciding to become sellers and putting some names out there that 
currently aren't on the trade board. And so, um, you know, Calgary's carried the bulk of the load through this season, just from a rumor standpoint, from actual moves. Uh, but at some point, let's hope uh, a few other teams join them in the sellers department or else, uh, you know, it'd be weird. Like, look at like the NBA trade deadlines happening right now, right? For a season yeah. that essentially runs roughly the same course. I mean, it's it's kind of unusual how late um, hockey's hockey's deadline is. I think ideally you hope that that makes it so that teams at that point can make firm decisions, you know, because if, if, de- if the deadline passed today, just for argument's sake, like it would be hard to – how many teams out there would be not sure which course? Like they wouldn't know if they were buyers or sellers, right? And so – um, I'm just hoping it's going to be a busy month, my friend. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope that it's not so busy that you're like drowning in work, but I also think that like you sort of like it in a way because people get amped up about it, but yeah, I think we're still going to see some, some actions, some speculation. There's one more flames question. I want to ask you, mm-hmm. what, how do you feel about Chris Tana and what do you, how do you feel about the attention that's being poured onto him? You had mentioned like up to 12 teams could be interested. We've heard teams like, Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver being thrown in around him. And it's at a point now where like whenever I watch games or practices, I'll I'll see him go down with something and it's like, "Whoa, like is he going to get injured?" There's like this weird injury label that's followed him. I know I wrote about it for the Athletic, but I'm curious about your opinion of it. Well, look, it's the way he plays, right? It's 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 not the label has been earned. It's and it's been earned the the hard way by blocking pucks and putting his body on the line for, you know, a long time in this league, you know, dating back to his days with the Canucks and then right through his tenure with Calgary. It's why so many teams like him teams look at what they need for the playoffs. They, they need someone willing to sacrifice. I mean, as, as much as, you know, we all want to glorify, you know, players chasing crazy point marks like McKinnon and Kucherov or goal marks like Matthews, or, I mean, what we, tends to win in the playoffs, obviously you need to score some goals, but it's usually, you know, plays at the other end of the ice, defensive plays, sacrificing your body, you know, doing the extra little bit to, to, you know, make a difference in a game. And that's, that's sort of what Tanev is. It, it, he's an interesting name to have at the top of all these trade boards because, you know, he's, he's certainly not a player I would say with high profile. I mean, he's played in two Canadian markets. So obviously people know his name and familiar with, you know, how great a story is even just to make the NHL is, you know, he's got a brother in the league, all those types of things, but you know, he's, he's not a, it's not a glitzy kind of player, not a, not a glitzy kind of name. But he, I think he's exactly it. what a lot of teams feel like they need, honestly. And so, yeah, you should be thinking that, like, if he goes down in a game, it's it's because he is likely to put himself in a position where he can get injured. And, of course, he's been through his share of injuries in the past. So, you know, I think he's he should wear that label. I mean, no one wants to be thought of as, as you know, being brittle or being, you know, that they can't stay in the lineup all the time. But he's earned that the hard way. He's earned that by being courageous and by, you know, sort of a, a we before me kind of guy putting the team's um, you know, goals and objectives ahead of maybe some of his own. Uh, I think that's, I mean, that's, that's a lot of stuff that gets celebrated in the sport. And and I do think that there's, you know, there's something to be said for it. And when you look at the kind of teams that win and, and, and go on long playoff runs. So, um, you know, I think the flames it's clear. They want to try to get a first round pick for them. Obviously, no one's willing to pay that right now, or I think the trade would have been done over the All-Star break when they did the Lindholm deal or, or you know, could be done in short order if, if, if someone was willing to offer that up. And so it's kind of a game of chicken. You've got all these teams monitoring a situation that are interested in a situation. The Flames, you know, have made it known that, you know, I think that they'll probably end up taking a second round pick and, and maybe something else for them ultimately. But 
who knows? It's all it probably takes is one phone call with a first round pick and that deal's done. If you are Craig Conroy and you have Chris Tanev in your lineup and he plays the way that we know that he plays, do you rest him at all to protect your asset? Maybe in the last week or something before the deadline, if he isn't moved by then, like I, I that's, that's usually the way this goes. Like you, you can't be sitting the guy out now. I mean, maybe you sit him out of a game this weekend, for example, if you're so close to a trade, but it's not done. And so it's just a matter of, you know, protecting the asset while you finish off the final details of a transaction. But if you've got nothing like really close to the finish line, I think you just got to let him be who he is. I mean, all teams are, are kind of weighing this, right? I mean, that was an aspect of the Montreal trade with Sean Monaghan to Winnipeg. I mean, in, in that deal, Kent Hughes really wanted a first round pick. He ultimately got it for Monaghan. And, you know, I think part of the Canadians thinking was, you know, this is a player that has been injured. Unfortunately, he dealt with inju- serious injury last year, right? He, he didn't play after December last season and he's been so good this year and he's been healthy, but you just never know. And so, you know, it, obviously last year was a year that, that the Canadians were, you know, in December were thinking they'd be trading Sean Monaghan at the deadline he was injured and was unable to be moved. And so I, I do think that there's, I don't know if you call that a lesson, but it is, it's something that's in the back of every GM's mind. Right. And and I'm sure we'll get to this, but you know, Julian Brisebois is watching his Tampa Bay lightning play at Madison square, square garden this week. And he sees, you know, his eight and a half million dollar defenseman, Mikhail Sergachev go down. Like that changes in an instant, you know, what you might be doing at the deadline. It's the same on the buying side and the selling side of these transactions. Like that's the crazy thing. As much as we try to plan and predict where everyone's going to be on March 8th or March 7th, like these, these sort of things crop up. And and I do think that's why in some ways, what I like about what Craig Conroy's managed to do is he's, you know, he's made a couple good trades, I think for a team in his situation, but he's, he's got these deals done early. And so it, it removes the possibility of injury because, you know, that can be devastating in, in a sense, if you're not, you know, getting a first round pick or getting nothing is that there's, that's a wide vacuum, right? And so, you know, and it's not that I'm hoping that Chris Tanev gets injured or, or, you know, let's, let's hope for his sake. He's in a position where he is healthy. He gets a chance to join a a top quality team and and chase a Stanley cup. I mean, that's ultimately what players, especially at his stage of a career want to do, you know, but there's risk. There's risk in every game, every player plays, unfortunately. And we don't always like to think about it. Some guys, Phil Kessel plays whatever thousand plus games in a row without missing one. And then some players, unfortunately, you know, a puck hits them that they don't see coming or whatever. I mean, it's, there's a bit of a bit of a crapshoot in our sport. It's just part of part of what it is. Before I go to Tampa Bay, any thoughts on Noah Hannafin and his big decision? Yeah, I mean, it seems to me reading like it's funny. The winds have shifted on this so many times. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's been a hard one to get kind of your mind around. It's not as though, you know, at times, I, you know, right at the start of the year, it appeared he was going to sign an eight year extension in Calgary. Then. That, you know, those talks were halted when the team went through a really bad stretch. You know, then it got back to like where they were, you know, having more discussions. Now, if I'm handicapping it, I think it's more than likely he's traded. And, you know, ultimately he he and his, his agents have to make that decision, his family obviously too. And, you know, it, it'll give Craig Conroy here, if, if that's the way it goes, you know, for four plus weeks to to see what he can get for him on, on the marketplace. And, you know, that's, that's really my thought. I, I think that they've really – looked at it from both angles. You know, I, I can see why the flames love the player, but you just look at the age he's at. And if you're going through this, do you really want to make another long-term commitment that takes someone into their mid thirties or even a, a touch beyond that? I mean, if you're Noah Hannafin and he loves living in Calgary, this isn't a lifestyle question. It's more, 
do you want to sign on for a long term with a team that maybe isn't going to be in a competitive window with a chance to win a championship in in your best years? And so um, it just, it just feels like their, their needs don't align. It's sort of how I feel about Jake Ansel in Pittsburgh, to be honest, Julian. It's, I mean, he's obviously been such a good fit, was a big part of their most recent two Stanley Cups, has scored a pile of goals. He's been Sidney Crosby's line mate, but he's 30. And the Penguins, clearly, whatever window they have left is not going to be most of whatever years he would be signing a six or seven or eight-year extension. So it's kind of an awkward one where, you know, it's not a foregone, you know, 100% conclusion that he'll be traded by the deadline, but it makes a lot of sense for a team in Pittsburgh's shoes. I think it makes a lot of sense for where Calgary's at to, to move Hannafin uh, at this deadline. And so, you know, no decision that I'm aware of has been made a hundred percent, but that's, that's kind of my sense of where things are headed. Yeah. I, I'm in the same boat with you with that. I feel as if considering all the pressure and all the attention on this story and hearing about how he's obviously thinking about this and, and meeting with his family about it. I feel as if I could be wrong on this and look, we, you, you could put freezing cold takes or whatever, but like, I feel like if he wanted to stay, he would have, said yes at the very least i feel like he might still be thinking about it or he might be saying no but i feel like if he wanted to say yes at this point like this would be done by well, now. There are, and look, there's maybe, financial benefits to stay remember like the flames can are. sign him to an eight-year deal and it's always possible he gets traded to a team at the deadline who gives him an eight-year deal but more than likely if you get you, that's the other thing like which you don't think about on the on the you know the fan side of this or even some reporters but He's likely kind of committing to moving twice by, by uh, you know, by not signing an extension with Calgary. Now he's likely to get traded by the deadline, and most players that go through that end up then signing somewhere else on July first. Not always, you know. Josh Manson, a recent one I can think of, was traded from Anaheim to Colorado, wins a cup that year, signs an extension, so he didn't have to move twice. But but more often than not, you're in Patrick Kane's shoes, right? Chicago Rangers, and then you're signing in Detroit afterwards. I mean, and so that's you know that can be a lot at the age that, that Noah's at, I don't know his family situation in terms of his personal life. But the point is, is it's, it's, you got to weigh all that out. I think when you're making the call that he's about to make. Greg Conroy still has a ton of decisions to think about when it comes to the Calgary flames. Let's get to Mikhail Sergachev in Tampa. Uh, you did mention him earlier, a uh, brutal injury for him had surgery on Thursday to stabilize his fibula and tibia. And that Instagram post, we, we'll get to Tampa and, and what might be next for them. But just seeing that Instagram post and seeing it be emotional, that was that was really tough to read, honestly. Well, I mean, yeah, it was tough to read. You're right. And and he was playing his first game in seven weeks that night. He, he hadn't played since December 19th, um, you know, gets 10 minutes or so of ice time into that game, 10 minutes into his return and falls awkwardly after, you know, taking a reverse hit from Alexi Lafreniere and and you know, I don't know the exact timeline here that the lightning didn't disclose one, but clearly when he's having surgery the next day and they're immediately putting him in rehab, I think that there's, there's a chance to save his season. Maybe if they're, if they're into the playoffs or what have you, but you know, that's, that's a lot to digest. If you're in Sergeyev shoes, you know, given that he's just, you know, worked his way all the way back to playing again. Um, I don't know if you saw his previous post before that one, Julian, but he's like, we're back. You know, it's like a picture of him. And, and naturally he's excited after a long injury layoff as any player would be. So it's, it's been crushing. It's just been a tough year for Sergeyev, you know, really from top to bottom. If you look at his numbers, it's not necessarily what you'd expect. You know, even when he was healthy, there was a time there he was taken off the top power play unit and Victor Hedman had, had regained that spot. Um, you know, his plus minus, which I know is 
not not always the best stat to, to gauge with player season, but he's at minus 16 for 30-odd games. Um, yeah, I think it tells the story where he's yeah, – I just think this year has been a struggle for him. And, you know, obviously he wants to be a number one type of guy. He's at that age. He's, you know, he's kind of been groomed the right way. He's got the big contract. And, you know, he plays the second most minutes on the Lightning in terms of a per-game basis. And now he's he's facing an uphill climb back. And so, you know, it's it's been a patch-it-together kind of year on the Lightning blue line. Uh, you know, Darren Radish, who actually really opened my eyes last year covering that Lightning Leaf series, was a player, quite frankly, I didn't know a lot about. And he was playing monster minutes in that series and played very well, I thought, for Tampa. You know, he's essentially been up on the right side there with Hedman on the top pairing with, when Sergachev's been out. Um, you know, they've, they've rotated a whole bunch of players that you, you, you'd need the Hockey DB account open to know who they are playing on their bottom pairing. And I, I say that with respect to them, uh, of course. But, you know, it's, it's been by committee. So shifting to what Tampa's going to do. You know, it was my understanding they were already calling around on defensemen before the Sergachev injury just to gauge the market, see what what upgrades might be out there for them. You know, the real key item here will be by March 8th, I think Julian Brisebois is going to know, you know, is is there a world Sergachev's back during the regular season? Because if he's not, he's basically got $8.5 million now of, of LTIR space to, to play with when it comes to making additions. You know, the Lightning have traded away a lot of picks in recent years. You know, the all the way back to Blake Coleman, Barkley Goodrow, Nick Paul, Brandon Hagel. Last year was Tanner Janot. You know, through the course of those transactions at the deadlines in the last four years, you know, they've, they've traded away a boatload of picks so that they don't, they're not left with as many as you would have to, to necessarily say that they're going to go out there big game hunting. But, you know, I think Julian Breesbaugh, honestly, for my money, is the best GM in the league. Um you probably have a debate about maybe Kelly McCrimmon and Vegas, you know, Vegas made a ton of smart moves on the way to winning their cup and having the success they've had too. But, um, you know, I would just say never sleep on Julian Breesbois, especially in, now that it looks like this scenario is there where he potentially has all that cap space. I mean, that, that was his biggest challenge. He, he found a way to fit all those other guys in that I mentioned in environments where he didn't really have a ton of cap space to play with. Um, you know, there's a world here if Sergachev's out for 10 more weeks, essentially through the end of the regular season, um, you know, that, that Tampa could be in on basically anybody. So in terms of anybody, is it somebody that has to sort of fit that style of play that Sergachev has? Is it a stopgap? Who could they be looking for if it gets to that point where they feel they need somebody? Well, look at history, right? I mean, Goodrow and, and, and Coleman both ended up having one more year on the deals at the time the deals were made. And that ended up being a home run trade because they formed two thirds of a pretty dynamic third line and they won cups in both of those seasons. Um, you know, Hagel and Paul were both traded for in, in Hagel's case was a, a restricted free agent. So the Tampa knew they had his rights, but and signed to long-term contracts, uh, Tanner, Janot, similar, you know, they're, they're acquiring a player there that isn't what we would call a rental. So I think based on past behavior, you, I'm going to look for Tampa to make not, not an obvious move. Cause that's kind of the way Julian has always operated um, you know, in the lightning front office. And so it's hard to connect them to anyone credibly or, or, you know, for me to say today, it's this guy they're going to go trade for, but I would, I would be looking for the non-obvious moves for something that maybe solves a future problem and a current problem. Um, you know, and the biggest thing in Tampa, they have to be mindful of well, it's two things. This is the last year you got Steven Stamkos under contract, right? I and mean, we've, we've talked about that story a lot but you don't know for sure what the future holds there. Like, I think this is a year, even though they're in a wild card spot as we're recording this, you, you want to, 
you want to kind of go in, I think, one more time. I, I would guess if you're in the front office, you just don't know. Every year it's going to get harder and harder, I think, for them to keep it together. The core players are getting a little older. You might lose more. Like, look at what, what they've already lost, right? I, mean, I, I saw Tyler Johnson actually posted a photo on his Instagram page over the All-Star break. Like, he's on a, he's on a vacation with uh, Stamkos and Hedman, but also Ryan McDonough, Pat Maroon, Andre Pilat, like all those former Lightning guys, obviously they all won together once upon a time. You know, those those players are all playing elsewhere, and, and there's the possibility you're going to have that with Stamkos. And so, you know, I think that it, there's there's going to be the inclination to want to go in on it this year and really give the team the best chance to, to have another championship run. But also, he's got to make a trade that that suits, that, that sets them up well uh, cap-wise down the road. And so, you know, look for Look for some undervalued players. I, I think that's kind of been what he's done. Like Hagel, with with respect to Brandon Hagel, wasn't a huge name, but he you know gave up two first rounders for him in that trade with Chicago, and and it's because he prized, you know how how cost effective he was that he filled a specific need for this team, and so, you know that that's that's where I'm looking. I would expect them to to tinker around the edges, and I just the Lightning, no matter what Julian ever says in front of the microphone, like this year we're not going to be big deadline players. They're always big deadline players. Shrewd, yep. operator, smart, really smart guy. And now, again, I, I'm sorry that Mikhail Sergachev had to get injured for it to happen, but all of a sudden now they might have a ton of money to play with. I think it, it kind of opens up a whole new set of options that uh, until that game at Madison Square Garden this week that he wouldn't have had. Was Nikita Kucherov part of that list of, of, of current and former Tampa players vacationing? Just wonder if there was like a triplets line reunion. No, I didn't. Well, I can't say he wasn't there, but he wasn't in the photo. So uh, uh, maybe that, that would be photo. a good one. I missed the triplets line. Yeah, that was. It's funny to think like Nikita Kucherov at one point was just like a third of like a really cool line for Tampa. And now he's like a top 10 player in the league. Like, you could argue he's he should be top five. He could win the Hart Trophy this year for a second time. Like, and John Cooper has said that like he's playing at least when I had asked him the question, like he's playing at a level like higher than when he won it like how many years ago? What a guy! Right. A well, and get this: I covered a playoff series. It was the the Canadians Lightning series in 2014 where he was a healthy scratch, Kucherov. So, I mean. Not many, not many players go from ever being a healthy scratch to winning a heart trophy. Like he's already traveled kind of the road, less traveled, I would call it. And he's got a, you're right. Got another shot at the heart this year. I probably have McKinnon there right now. Yeah, probably. I mean, I haven't, we haven't done this game, but, and I haven't looked at it closely, closely. Like I'm not committing to it, but my, my gut right now tells me it's McKinnon's to lose at this stage of the season. Save your award ballot for when it comes time. We'll, we'll trade notes. When we're in garbage time in March, you mean? Like when we're when we're trying to figure out how, I'm just kidding. That's that's harsh. But that's what they call in basketball, right? The the non meaningful period. You joke about that, but uh there's truth in every joke. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to Arizona. Um the coyotes. Seems like a lot of people are 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 waiting on pins and needles for some kind of announcement when it comes to their future. The coyotes social media account on on Twitter is doing everything it can to assure fans that the future is in Arizona and that they're going to stay there, that they're going to be successful. But some are wondering if it really is going to be the end, if they're not going to be able to acquire some plots of land or a plot of land for them to stay long-term. Are they going to Utah? Can someone else buy them? Where should we start with this story with the Arizona Coyotes? Well, the situation is simple to sum up. I mean, if you're waiting for an announcement, I hope you got some patience. Cause I, 
Unless a whole bunch of people are lying to me, I have no reason to believe anything is imminent one way or another when it comes to an announcement. Um, you know, but there is a serious issue that is with time is, is taking on a little more urgency is that they need to know what they're doing. Right. And ideally from the NHL standpoint, that would mean Alex Morello or Javier Gutierrez as president is coming out and saying, we've purchased this X plot of land. Uh, you know, we're going to build this rink construction starts next week. It's going to be open in 2026 or whatever, you know, the timeline would be. If you had those kind of plans in place, I mean, everything would quiet down pretty quickly. I think, you know, the players and, and everyone will just make peace with the factor at Mullet Arena for X number more years because at least there's a brighter day on the other side of it. You know, what we have instead is that announcement is not in a place to be made. The the Coyotes ownership is in a land auction right now for a piece of land in North Phoenix. Um, would like to get it, but they don't know if they're going to get it. And if they don't get it and they don't have other backup plans, I mean, what's, you know, clearly the clock is ticking there. Um, you know, from what I've been able to gather this week um, on calls and what have you, is that Utah is just still waiting back. I don't, I don't think there's anything new from their end of things. You know, they're working with the legislature on, on trying to get a new arena built. That's part of a plan to pitch for the Olympics in 2034. But, you know, in terms of them being ready, Ryan Smith has already indicated uh, through his actions, through his announcements that, that, that Salt Lake City is wel- welcome to, to have a team at any given point. I don't think the, the league's ready to do just about anything just yet. And so, yes, there's lots of machinations behind the scenes. I get why there's a lot of conversation and speculation, but I don't have any reason to think that uh, there's a there's an immediate resolution coming. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply one way or the other this episode of the chris johnston show is brought to you by liquid iv staying up late hanging out with friends yelling at the game on tv you do a lot over a big weekend so when it's time to start another big week celebrate hydration monday with liquid iv i was in toronto a couple of days ago for the big show that cj and i had and i needed to hydrate really Really, I need to hydrate, and I'm so glad I had those liquid IV packets with me. You get yourself one little packet, 16 ounces of water. You open up the packet, you pour it out, you stir it up, and you get some delicious flavors. I have the white peach, which is pretty good. The lemon lime is also pretty good. The green grape, I thought that wasn't going to be as good as the other two flavors. That's actually my favorite one, and I, I feel great when I take it. I feel hydrated. A lot of people like to take these before their daily workouts as well. So that way they can keep themselves from feeling run down. There's no artificial sweeteners. It has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, eight vitamins and nutrients and non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. It's pretty good. Weekends are for going wild or hey, maybe you're a guy who likes to get down in the week too. That's fine. 
have a game plan for your Mondays or your Tuesdays, any day of the week with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Johnston at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code Johnston at liquidiv.com. What about the possibility of a Phoenix Suns owner, Matt Ashibia, buying the team? Look, I don't personally know what his intentions are here, Julian, in, in terms of you know whether he wants to buy the Coyotes or not. It would make some sense if there was a world where all that could align because the Suns, his basketball team, from what I understand, need a new arena as well. And so why not house them in the same space like so many other NBA and NHL teams do around North America? But you know, perhaps that's, that's a saving grace here, a potential saving grace. You know, it seems to me, though, Alex Morello still wants to own the Coyotes. So, you know, the team can't just take it from a – you can't just force a sale, or at least not under – without extreme circumstances being in place for that to happen. And so, you know, I think that, that everyone still kind of has to play nicely together in the sandbox. Is that an appropriate term? I just mean – I think yeah, that, 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 that could work. Like, I don't think that every – look, at everything isn't going smoothly. That's clear. Ideally, the NHL, even when they when they okayed the move to Mullet Arena, wanted this to be resolved, wanted there to be a plan. Obviously, they, they went right down to a, a, a vote in Tempe on a piece of property that and a plan to build a, an entertainment district and arena that, that got voted down last year. And so, you know, there's a world where they're, they're either going to have to move the team or maybe try to find another owner that is willing to keep it in Arizona. Maybe they take it back to Glendale. I don't think that's happening with Alex Morello, but, but perhaps another ownership group uh, with a clean track record might be able to talk to the city officials there and come up with some kind of deal while an arena is built. You know, I, I don't know how it's going to play out just yet. Um, I, I suspect you're going to keep hearing about this because there's, again, there's more urgency here. And I, and I would point you to the fact that the, the Winnipeg jets moved North from Atlanta on May 31st, officially. That's when the announcement was made back in 2011. I, I think that you're on a similar time frame here. By the time that next season's schedule is officially, officially being finalized by the NHL, they're going to need to have some more clarity on, on what the direction is in Arizona. And I don't think another season of like, well, maybe we're looking for some land and we'll just keep playing in a 5,000 seat arena is going to cut it. Um, so, you know, the way I view this, it seems to me that we've got two or three more months for plans to either come together or not. And at that point, the NHL is going to have to act in, in some way. What about the possibility of, Oh, I don't know. Returning to Glendale. I mean, I think anything's possible. That's the best place that team could be right now. I mean, look, there's problems with the, the where that arena is located. It's hard for fans to get to. I mean, anyone who's ever been out there, the traffic can be brutal in suburban Oof. Phoenix. And it's it's just it's not the most convenient for where their fan base is, is located. But it is an NHL caliber arena, like no question. There's nothing there's nothing wrong with the arena itself other than where it's built. It, it just didn't service the team long term. But, you know, it's, it's 18,000, 19,000 capacity. It has the facilities you need from a dressing room and, and corporate standpoint. And so, who knows? Stranger things have happened, I would say. I, again, I don't think that'll be the case. I'd be surprised if that was the case with Alex Morello because it was the, the situation, the relationship was completely strained by the time the team moved to, to ASU, to, to Mullet Arena. But, you know, maybe under new ownership, if that ever happens in the future, that's, that's a shorter-term solution while a rink gets built. They just got to build an arena in the right place and, and have the proper in infrastructure there, Julian. And to me, they're every bit as attractive as a place to play as Tampa or Nashville, Vegas, you know, some of these warm weather destinations that, that players 
in the NHL love to play in with great fan bases. I, I, I think that's still possible. And I got to tell you, even if they end up relocating the Coyotes, which is clearly not the NHL's preference, but if that happens, we're immediately going to be talking about Arizona being in line for uh, an expansion team. So you think they go back? Oh, one, I'm telling you, if they leave by relocation this season, say Arizona will be at the top of the list for an expansion franchise. They're just going to need obviously an owner that can get an arena built. Like that's, that's, I mean, I say that's all they're missing. I mean, some of these arenas, yeah, that's cost a pretty big miss $2 billion. Like it's, it's, you know, there's it there. And they're usually tied to much larger real estate plays or other things that have to come together. But Arizona would be a top place in the NHL's eyes for expansion. If they ever had to move the coyotes. So that's the reason they haven't moved it. Cause I understand the power, the potential power of the market. They just never tapped into it to the degree they need to, to make the coyote successful. But uh, Houston exists. Uh, Kevin Weeks every few days is mentioning something to do with Atlanta. Like there are uh, Utah. We're just talking about Ryan Smith. Like there are other markets out there that the the NHL could tap into that are in the United States that could use that chance as opposed to Arizona getting another chance again if it gets to that hypothetical situation. Yeah, but if you're bringing it to an expansion to an owner who's got an arena coming, I mean, then it's a totally different thing. I think it's the sixth largest metro market in the U.S. Or something like that. I mean, it's 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 a big deal. The market, for sure. it's just the market is no problem. It's they've never had the team in the right facility in the right place. That that's that's been the issue more than anything, in my view, in terms of just getting a, a foothold there. In terms of you know really turning a lot. Like I know there's Coyotes fans, but like to to getting the market energized around the team. It's like they've just never had any ability to kind of like climb. They, they need to get settled. They need good ownership, and they need to have an arena, which, you know, it's hard to align the stars in the moon. It's easy for us to say this in a podcast. It's hard to do it sometimes. Yeah. Thank God we're not running the league. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> we for can sure. barely get our mics to work some days. So, I mean, <laughs> Jeez, we, we try to worry about our, I mean, mics, internet. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't want to be making $7 billion decisions, you know? Goodness gracious. Um, Ask CJ. We're going to bring it back on Monday. I know earlier this week, we said we're going to get to questions this week. Just a bit of a busy time. We're under the weather. We're taking it easy today. We'll just go back to our regularly scheduled segment on Monday. Um, I don't have a stick tap either. Like, today's just been a bit of a mess, admittedly. But uh, next week, we'll be fine. Everything will be great. We'll get to I've got a stick CJ. tap. We'll get... You do? You know what? Yeah, I, I didn't even you ask you for story... that. If you have one, go ahead. This story kind of went under the radar, but it's actually for Julian Brisebois. Nothing sure. to do with what, what he may or may not do at the trade deadline, but uh, he and his family committed $500,000 donation to Ronald McDonald House in Tampa That's over the cool. next five years. Um, you know, his owner, Jeffrey Vinnick, is, is widely in NHL circles considered one of the best, most generous owners in the league, if not the best. And obviously he's following in his direction. And so that, that news came out over All-Star Weekend, and I think it kind of got buried a little bit, but I, I thought that it's important to spotlight Julian for his generosity and he just doesn't have to do that, man. So that's really cool. Good for Julian. Good for good for the Lightning organization. That's an amazing gesture on their part. Um, you don't I have don't to have come a... up with one. I, no, I had one but, for both of us. But I, I do have a, a, a cross check, if that's oh, okay. Well, you're in you're in kind of a feisty, sick mood. So have at it. Like, did you see this story earlier this week about how the NHL? had to do this audit over the amount of hits that were being doled out and they had to switch up everything with in terms of hit totals. Like 
I've never heard anything like this before. Like, what? I, come on. Like, I like. what's the issue here? Like, Trump so who are you cross-checking? I guess the league in this situation because they messed up. They messed up. They did. We're allowed to – look – Look, I get it. There are times where we we will go out of our way to say, hey, you know what? The league did a good job here, but we are more than allowed to say the league kind of messed up here. And I think they did. They absolutely, I think they did. They absolutely did. Uh, what a weird thing to have happen. Uh, and, and I mean, they've ultimately updated it with uh, with certain players getting their totals fixed. But that was a really weird, uh, that was a really weird thing to come up earlier this week. Michael Russo's written about it for The Athletic and there is the obvious fantasy betting angle if you want to look into that with that within that regard. But I will give a cross check. I don't know if I've given another cross check this year, but uh, I felt it was deserving of that. I thought we were going to have this segment. Turns out we end up having a cross check and a stick tap. Look at us. There you go. You took the floor and brought anger. I'll feel better Get next true. week, guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, send us questions for Ask CJ. Subscribe to the podcast. And uh, we'll be back next week. CJ, I'm really in so long. The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK and McKenzie.